who's the person you have to be to, you know, be at that level. And is that a person you want to be? I think, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't really have a good idea of who they are and who they want to be. And you have to work every day at getting a little bit closer to that person you want to be. And all the other stuff will work itself out. Welcome back to the Business of Homes podcast. I'm Michael Conrad, and today I have Steve Luther with Cord Real Estate here in Nashville with me. And we have been having a great conversation offline, probably should have recorded it all, um, about just being in the business a long time, uh, hitting niches, going wide, what's the future, just so many different things. And it definitely showcases that you, Steve, have an incredible amount of experience and knowledge uh, to share. And you've been building teams and brokerages for a long time, and you're not stopping. Um, and so I'm curious to hear where you come, where you're going, what you're doing, and all of the above. So thanks for being here today. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Um, when we first connected, one of the things that really struck me about your experience was that you were just very aware of real estate as a business. And that's really the crux of this podcast is that we're looking beyond the day-to-day transactions, mm-hmm. even the nuances of the contract, how we help buyers and sellers. All of these things are wonderful and important. However, there is a business behind it all, a plan, a plan that you have to execute, an audience you're going after. You have to maintain certain guardrails and you have to think about P&Ls and all those things. (laughs) And it's more than just going out and being a pretty face. And let me tell you, Two pretty faces right here, you and I, my friend. Holy cow. Um, So if you're not watching us on our YouTube channel, go check it out. Um, Yeah, this business is done so differently. Mm -hmm. And when you got in, you said, I'm already aware of these sort of common ways to do it, and I want to do it a little differently. Tell me about that sort of initial ideas of going different early on. So early on, I've been doing this uh, uh, like 22 years, so it's been a long time, but uh, you can tell from the gray. <laughs> um, you know, I, I come from an entrepreneurial family. Um, my, uh, my father had several businesses when, when I was growing up. Uh, my brother has, you know, has had several businesses. So um, the idea of being a business owner has always kind of been there. Um, I actually started out when I got out of college in IT. Hmm. So I was a tech guy. Um, I did that for about 10 years. I went through the dot bomb Hmm. had a bunch of stock options and weren't worth anything anymore <laughs> um, and thought I'd, I'd do something different. Um, and, uh, you know, I had bought and sold several properties. I'd moved uh, to different parts of the country um, and uh, decided I was going to get into investment property. Um, so bought a few investment properties and thought, you know, the real estate agents I've dealt with over the years – aren't really very techy. I think there's an angle here that, you know, I could do things a little bit differently, a little bit better. Uh, so I kind of brought a lot of my IT background into real estate early on. Um, you know, I was half of my business was coming from online leads. Uh, there was no one doing it back then. Hmm. I mean, this was early 2000. So the internet wasn't even really a thing until like 95. Right. Um, so, you know, real estate online wasn't really much of a thing. How were you um, gaining leads online then? 
Um, you know, it was, you, there were, there was no social media back then either. Uh, so it was a lot of, um, you know, banner ads and, and that kind of thing, you know, just, just getting exposure on, uh, on various websites that, that people were going to. It was a lot of email marketing, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, you know, not really extremely different from what we're doing now other than social media. And um, it was just early. There was just very wasn't quite on. the saturation very at that time, on. you know, back yeah. when email marketing actually kind of worked a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When no one is competing for leads online. They come pretty easy. Yeah, that's <laughs> so that was the initial iteration. Um, as I got into it, a lot of the training was, um, you know, around um, kind of working up in price point, um, you know, getting into luxury price points, things like that. Uh, and also charging premiums on commission. Mm. And I hated that concept. Uh, both of those concepts for me, it was like, you know, you never know where someone is in their life, where they're going to be. Um, everybody should be treated very well. Um, doesn't matter if they're, you know, buying a hundred thousand dollar condo or, or a $10 million, you know, mansion. Um, so, you know, I had a different philosophy on how that should go. Um, and I didn't like the idea of having variable commissions and trying to upcharge, you know, if you're going to, to a luxury buyer or luxury seller, you know, they can afford a little more. So let's, you know, add on a little bit. And I, that just never set right know, with man. me. It's like, you're never going to know who's going to be talking at the, uh, the dinner party, comparing notes about yeah. things. That sort of variable pricing is always makes me a little nervous because yeah. It feels like the price, the price, the price, right? But I know the airlines disagree, but um, <laughs> yeah, that I agree with you on that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was kind of the first iteration of what eventually would become Cord. Um, you know, I, I uh, was able to convince my business partners to, to jump in on this with me. So this was way, way back in like 2008, 2009. Um, I had this idea of starting a sports and entertainment brand. Um, you know, no one was really doing that at the time. There, there weren't sports and entertainment divisions at every brokerage. Um, there was one girl in Florida that was doing something around sports and entertainment, but that was pretty much it. So, um, I thought it'd be a great idea to, to launch that brand in, in music city, um, and eventually expand it to other sports and entertainment markets. Um, and of course, Ashley speaks fluent Japanese. Uh, so we dealt with a lot of international clients as well. That's your wife and she's That's your partner and a realtor. Yes. Yes. She's, uh, she's actually our, our managing broker. Um, so in the, the way, international people like to be treated is very similar to how you would want to treat a rock star. You know, hmm. that was kind of the concept of it is we wanted to create this uh, concierge experience. And a lot of people throw out the word concierge as well. Right. Uh, that was another thing we had been very early on to talk about. But in our mind, it was more like the concierge at the Ritz Carlton or, you know, Four Seasons or whatever, where, you know, you, you can go to them for pretty much anything and they'll, they'll be able to help. Um, so we try to do, you know, things like, you know, if we see somebody celebrating a, an anniversary at a resort in Mexico, we want to have chocolates waiting for them when they get there. It has nothing to do with a transaction. It's just about being a part of, of, you know, our, our clients' lives uh, and, and making them feel like they're important because they are. 
Um, so that was kind of the iteration of, of Cord. Um, I knew early on that uh, I didn't want to be the, the, the doer necessarily uh, for, for too, too long. So uh, I had always had it in my mind to, you know, build a business around it, grow a team um, and kind of got lucky. Um, I'm, I'm more of the strategy guy. Ashley is very much the operational doer person and uh, our other business partner, Van is, uh, is kind of the feeler. So he makes everything feel good, feel good works on the experience. That's, that's his title as the chief experience officer. So. Oh, I love that. The yeah, other type of so. CEO. Yeah. You should interview them too. Amazing. <laughs> I, uh, I feel like this concept of building the experience, building a team and having a process, it, I don't feel like it's a, it's a natural leap for a lot of folks that go into real estate. Real estate somehow has become um, more of a I practice profession. It's something that I do. It's a profession that I do. It's a, I practice real estate, et cetera. You know, we're borrowing the language from, you know, attorneys and doctors, you know, and these are high skilled, high value professionals, you know, but there is, and always really has been maybe in sort of not everywhere, but, um, a, a benefit to building something larger than you. You know, this idea of, of multifaceted specialization is only possible when you have a team. And to really fully, I think, curate an experience, you also typically need more things going on that is possible with a team and much harder by yourself. And I think I've said on this podcast before, but it's worth saying again, in real estate, because it's such an individual, high volume industry, that curating the experience that is unique to you or your brand or your company is so insanely important because it cannot be replicated. It is literally the only thing that cannot be replicated is the experience that your company, your brand, or you are providing. Almost everything else really just boiled down is a service that can be performed by another service practitioner. And so, you know, I, I, there's a number of folks in the dentistry and the doctor and the lawyer world. All those people have woken up over the last 25 years to realize, who cares that I am this high-skilled, high-value practitioner professional if I can't extricate myself out of the day-to-day, -day, if I can't extricate myself you know, for a month or two months at a time or seasonally do different things. Like I'm actually a slave to my own practice. And of course, you know, some people um, have valued that differently over time. Maybe the older generations didn't mind that very as much, but you know, a lot more of your 50 and under crowd is wanting more freedom than the traditional practice allowed. Well, I think uh, a, a lot of small businesses, uh, at least initially, they, they kind of start out as it's practitioner. You right. Know, they know their skill. Right. Uh, and that's across the board. That's not just real estate. I can trust that's, me. That's you can trust business. you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they know their skill and they kind of get into it and they really don't have any concept of sales and marketing and, you know, finances and watching the P&Ls and all that stuff. It's a lot. Um, it's a lot. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it can be overwhelming for, for a lot of people that, uh, that really are just focused on developing their skill. Um, 
you know, you really have to get into the very minute details of standard operating procedures and you got to record everything. You got to make sure it's, it's, uh, repeatable by, by someone else, you know, yes. they can just go through a checklist. SOPs, friends of you who are listening, SOPs are the backbone of a real business. And I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that you can define as a percentage of how much are you a real business by how many SOPs do you have that define everything that you do? Imagine yourself getting hit by a truck or getting a harebrained idea to go become an Alaskan fisherman and you need somebody else to do all the stuff that you do professionally. If it's not written down in a little binder, you know, you're not a real business. You own a job. And I, this is very familiar to me in the trades that I come from. You know, a lot of folks sort of um, are accidentally fooled into believing, oh, I started a business. Well, you started a job for yourself, and I think that's great. That's what America's built on. But at the end of the day, like, it's not a business. And so slowly growing more of those standard operating procedures, you know, is so, so important. Um, and, I mean, the truism, they say, is if you want to sell your business and have it be valuable enough to actually be sold to another person, then you have to have this sort of this Bible or this binder or this book of SOPs, right? But then if you don't ever sell, you just have the SOPs and it makes your business awesome. So it's like, no matter which way you want to go, you need that. But I think we're even ahead of ourselves because you brought up something earlier offline that is so key in this, and that is and in fairness, folks, I'm not even sure I asked myself this question appropriately when <laughs> I started growing. And I, you know, I think that's fair mm -hmm. that we don't always do it in the correct order. But sure. do we know why? Do we know why we want to grow? If we want to go from high value practitioner to become a business, you said you didn't want to be in the day to day. Mm -hmm. I was saying the exact same thing 12 years ago when it was just me. I don't want to just be doing the day to day every day. But I have to know why. And I don't know if everyone's asking themselves. I don't even know if I had an answer for that. Well, and I think it goes a little deeper than, than just the why. It's also, you know, who's the person you have to be to you know, mm. be at that level? And is that a person you want to be? Um, I think, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people across the board, not just in real estate, but across the board, don't really have a good idea of who they are and who they want to be. Um, and you have to work every day at getting a little bit closer to that person you want to be and all the other stuff will work itself out. Um, but yeah, I, I just think there's a, there's a little bit of a disconnect for a lot of people because they don't take the time to think, who do I really want to be? Who do I want to be? What is this all about? What is the meaning of life? The truth is I had a minor sort of crisis at the third quarter of, of last year when I was facing that exact question because the company and the companies that I've been building and growing for the last 12 years haven't exactly ended up where I thought they would be. And I'm saying, well, to get to the place I thought I wanted to go, I think I have to be a different person. And I'm not sure I want to be that person. I think that was the crisis I was in. I was saying, well, who do I want to be moving forward? And so I think, um, you know, just these conversations with guys like you and this podcast and the work that I'm now doing is more in line with who I want to be in the future and where I want to be going. And it's taken me a long time to get there. So I guess we'll give some forgiveness to anyone who also put cart before the horse on this. But yeah, course. growing the business is a key 
And it certainly wasn't very popular in the past in real estate. It's growing in popularity, all these different versions of boutique brokerages and teams and whatnot. And so what are, what are you doing to sort of set your company and you and your brand apart to um, to continue this sort of journey into brand building and business building? I mean, so every everything that we uh, look at in terms of, you know, how do we improve our service? Um, you know, how, how, how can we tweak things to make things better? It's all built around what's our client experience. Um, you know, there's a lot of, of teams that go out there and they have agents that are dedicated to buyers and agents that are dedicated to sellers. And you kind of get shuffled from one to another, depending on where you're at in a transaction. I never liked that model because I felt like from the client's perspective, you know, they build a relationship to someone. Mm -hmm there should be continuity of that relationship. Um, so, you know, things like that are, are of, you know, the thing, the things that we consider, um, you know, what, what's the impact to the client? Yeah. Maybe we're going to get some more efficiencies out of something, but what's the experience going to be? Uh, and we want to provide the best experience that we can. Um, that's, that's really everything we focus on. This is such a hard thing. Um, and I think a lot of folks who are real estate agents listening to this podcast are facing this exact question. That is, how do I increase the value of my client's experience? I'm almost certainly going to need tools. I may need other people to assist me with this. I'm, I'm going to need more time. And that can be very difficult. You may not have more time to give in bringing other people in. You may alter the flavor of the experience, sort of. Uh, tools are costly. You know, you have to learn them. And so this is very difficult to increase the value of the experience, but also maintain this sort of relational integrity to one person. This is hard. This is super hard. And I think that's, that's probably been a big driver of teams um, because you've got to have people that you can leverage to do different elements of, of the business. You, you know? mean like specialists? The specialists. Sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, you, you've got to have um, someone that's doing the marketing stuff on the back end. You've got to have someone that's managing the paperwork on the back end. You've got to have all these moving parts because you just, it's hard to do it on your own. Uh, okay, you're meaning support structure, not necessarily like, oh, they're a buyer specialist or they're a commercial specialist or whatever. You're talking about like the overall, the flesh and skin and bones that surrounds the whole concept. Definitely. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, I mean, that is in certain sectors of the market. I, I think that there's more and more people who are starting out two years or less in ex of experience who are already saying, oh, yep, I need a support team. I need someone helping me here. And there's services and freelancers and these sorts of things that step in some places. But, you know, that conversation wasn't happening 10 years ago. 12 years ago when I was getting in, I don't know about 20 years ago either, but um, the market in Nashville has been on a really steep hockey stick sort of upward tick, you know? Um, but, but all of this is where, uh, SOPs come into play. Um, you've got to have your experience so well-defined in a standard operating procedure that you can give pieces of it to specialists to, to take care of. Love that. Um, you know, the, the, the difficult thing about scaling is how do you maintain your quality? Um, because the bigger you get, the more quality tends to suffer. Well, um, you know, and the other side benefit to to SOPs, you know, yeah, you you would have a sellable business, but 
things come up. Um, you, you know, I, I was in the hospital for four and a half months and, um, things come and, up, you know, Oof. and, and it, I had, I had a very long recovery after I got out. Um, but because we had our procedures so well defined, um, you know, Ashley and I were out of pocket for six months. We, you know, we, I, I was unconscious for a lot of it. So, wow. um, but we, we, kept getting our paycheck. Um, Isn't that amazing? Things kept going. The business kept running. And, you know, we are so appreciative to the team for stepping in and, and making things happen. But a lot of that was because there were very defined procedures. Boy, that is worth way more than the Mercedes or the flashy <laughs> Instagram photos, you know, that can kind of attract a lot of people to real estate is the sustainability of earning mm -hmm. through thick and thin. That's so key. I think that's a way better goal than, you know, I hear most of the time. Hey everyone, it's Jake, director for the Business of Homes podcast. I hope you've been enjoying today's episode, starting with Steve's beginning in IT and early online marketing, why standard operating procedures are so important and focusing on who you need to be to succeed in your business, and if that is truly who you want to be. When we return, Michael and Steve dive into the connective tissue between having the technical knowledge and having the relationships, knowing your worth when entering the real estate field, and connecting yourself with a great community. You don't want to miss it. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Business of Homes Pod, where you can interact with us and see some great bite-sized pieces from all of our episodes. For you listeners out there, did you know our entire podcast are filmed and are on our YouTube channel? Check it out next time you want to see our amazing guests tell their stories. And are you currently watching this episode in video format? Don't forget to follow us on your preferred audio streaming service to take us with you on the go. Lastly, do you have any feedback or want to suggest someone for the show? Email us at thebusinessofhomespodcast at gmail.com. Please enjoy the rest of today's episode with Steve Luther. Let's get back to it. Well, you've made it through and you've tested those SOPs, but the world is changing fast and it's way different than when you got in or even post-recession. Wasn't that an interesting time? Um, and so what are you doing now to continue to shake it up, keep things fresh and like keep developing that brand so that it's super relevant to the modern consumer? Mm -hmm. You know, you're always looking at best practices of other industries. What what are other people doing? What things can we incorporate into real estate? Um, what, what are things we can do to improve the experience? Um, you know, new tech that comes along. You're, you, you can't implement everything. You've got to kind of look at it and see, okay, how much of a disruption is this going to cause versus the benefit? Um, so, you know, it's just a constant research mode. And, that, and that's a big part of, of what I do um, is, you know, just trying to, to keep track of what's coming down the pike in terms of tech. Um, you know, what, what are other industries starting to implement now? Um, you know, we've looked at a lot of things over the years, beacons and all kinds of stuff that are not really done in real estate much, but, uh, you know, we, we look at them to see if, okay, is there a, is there a scenario where that, makes sense for us. Um, is that going to be too much of a disruption right now? Um, you have to figure out implementation plans and all those things. Um, you know, it's, it's not easy, uh, but, uh, you just have to keep plugging away and just focus on 
How can I make the experience just a little bit better? Um, you know, in terms of services that you offer, you know, there's very little that you can do that's proprietary. It's really more about, um, I've got a great experience that I deliver and part of this is you're, you're building a, a personal brand. People need to have a, a connection with you mm-hmm. on an emotional level beyond, you know, just, okay, I know how to fill out a contract. Um, right. cause a lot of people know how to fill out a contract. So there has to be, you know, some, some kind of relationship. Um, and I think you're, you're kind of seeing the market sort of splinter in two directions. You've got, you know, the Zillows of the world that want to turn it into a transaction where it's all very cut and dry. And for some people that'll, you know, that'll be fine. That'll a be commodity, what they want. Just a simplified digital yeah. experience. Yeah. yeah. I'll just go fill out my stuff online and eventually AI will, you know, take care of all that stuff and, you know, and, and is what it is. And it, you know, they don't care about the experience. That's fine, but there's going to be a big segment of the market. And I think, um, you know, the, the, the smaller brokerages, the smaller teams, um, that have figured out, uh, that experience are going to do well with that segment of the market. Yeah. I, I do see, a necessary amount of changes. You you talk about this idea that it's it's not just enough to be able to know how to fill out a contract. But the other side of that interesting coin is it's not just enough to have relationship. Like That's relationship is no doubt important. You still have to know how to fill out the contract. And you're wise, you know, <laughs> to say that, but it is the connective tissue between having the technical knowledge and experience required and the relationship and these can't be sort of dually present. They actually have to be connected. You have to be able to know how best to fill out your contract and negotiate for your clients because of the relationship that you have with them. And because the relationship you have with them, you need to know how best to do those. I mean, so that is that connective tissue, I think, is really hard because there is definitely feast and famine times in this business, as many businesses that tends to have people pulling punches around creating that sort of connect, connective tissue I'm talking about. Specifically, I, I think I, I see it most often in, well, I don't know if I'm going to advise my client for that because that jeopardizes our personal relationship. Or I'm not going to, we're too close. I don't think that that is like, that's too shrewd or, you know, that's too intense or whatever it is. And so I, I think sometimes we get nervous about not getting to the end and it it has us pulling punches on either our technical skills or our relational connectivity and so yeah I, I think the more we can do to educate ourselves and then be really focused not just on likes and on shares on insta but actual real relationship and I think that we're we're also in a like um like a postmodern version of real estate age, because uh, like you talked about email marketing back in like the the early aughts or whatever, everything feels like it's really been done and kind of maybe overdone in the marketing and classic relationship building things. Like if someone sends me another email with a recipe in it, I'm going to like poke someone's eye out. Um, And if someone like sends me like a really basic uh, CMA for a zip code, 
you know, I don't know. It's just, it's not cutting it anymore. And there's so many services that will just give you that juice anyways. Well, everybody's but, got a podcast now too. Everybody's right? got a, every white boy's got a podcast. That's right. Um, and so I think what we have to do is really, again, be looking at the world around us and saying, well, what is everybody else doing? And how do I be different? I, I still think that advertising and marketing yeah, for the last like 150 years is still the undercurrent, the same chord we have to hit, pun intended, is uh, be different, be unique, be relevant, no doubt, but be different, be unique, stand out. Um, and so I, I think that's really hard. I, you know, I think, I think it's also important that you understand that you have worth. Um, you oh. know, I, I see so many, uh, newer agents that come into the business that, uh, you know, just, just feel so scared about things and don't have that confidence. Um, you know, this business, it, it changes so quickly now for me to have 22 years of experience. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's something to be said for that, but, um, you know, if you get in and you do the research, you, you can do the same things that I can do, yeah. you know, and Isn't that interesting, you know, it's not like you just kind of popped into existence yesterday. You're like, you've got life history. Right. Um, and there are elements of, of your life that, you know, you, you can incorporate into your business to make you a little different. Um, when, when I talked to, uh, um, van initially about joining me, you know, he was a music business guy, uh, like 25 years, but a lot of what he did was around, uh, brand consultation for, mm. for artists. Um, you know, um, and that was an easy thing to transition into real estate. Cause that's a big part of what we're doing when we're selling a property is we're, we're sort of building this package around this, this, this property, you know, how do we package it up for the audience we're trying to, to get this to and make it look its best. Um, so that was a very easy transition of skills from one very different industry into, into real estate. So I, I think a lot of it is just mindset, um, and doing the work, doing the research, doing the work. I, that is a, I'm glad you said that because there's a, there's a reps component to this. Oh, of like course. you don't get to run the marathon without like running the hundred feet. Right. I mean, you, you got to put the time in and Real estate has a funny sort of magical allure around it of feeling like it's super accessible to anyone and anyone can do it. And the sort of the ironic paradox is that's both true and not true somehow sure. at the same time. Like literally anyone could do it because it is based on so many soft skills, relational skills, um, instead of like hard skills, like, do you know how the brain works to do brain surgery? Um, and so, yeah, I guess everyone can do it, but also it's, spoiler alert, it's a lot of work, right? You got to put it's the reps in. Work. And so if you are feeling fresh and don't know your worth, like what you were talking about, um, I, I think we have but to look at other industries out in the world and say, well, what do people with lesser experience, with more of a nervous disposition, what do they do? you know, apprenticeships and partnerships and teams. I think this is one of the reasons why teams have become very popular too, um, is we can go get that experience from others. And 
you know, I don't, I'm not here to sort of say if the legislature should require there to be a more complicated licensure process to require apprenticeship. That's common in other industries to avoid low skilled practitioners, so to speak. But, um, you know, the, the, the brokerage is not just where you hang your license and get your compliance. Um, as I mentioned in past podcasts, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a lot of them can be, it can be that way. That's right. It shouldn't be. It should be a place where you get learning and experience and you feel like you can still have the training wheels on and no one's going to laugh at you. So yeah, that, that is really hard. And the ever increasing awareness of like the world of investing and generational wealth and real estate that HGTV and Instagram has given us means we have a wider group of practitioners now. And so what we usually had sort of the natural organic who knew what and how to do what process, you know, was limited because less people knew about it. You know, we now have a much wider group of people know about it. And so that goes all the way back to the beginning of cord and you trying to create this team that's, I'm guessing just from knowing you a little bit is not just one that's like, all right, cool. Thanks for joining. Good luck out there. Yeah. I mean, you know, not to get too religious, but, uh, uh, we, you know, we, we kind of see it as, uh, it's like a life group, you know, we want to, we want to do life with, with our people, you know, we want to, we want to celebrate them when, when good things happen and we want to be there for them when, you know, there, there is a downturn for whatever reason. Um, you know, I think, I think that's kind of how you have to look at it. The, the people that just become a number at a brokerage just, I, I hate it. Um, and that's why we, you know, when we talk about expanding, we talk about maintaining our boutique feel. So we want a small office in different markets. Um, I don't, I don't want to have hundreds of agents because if I can't know them personally, they don't know me personally. I, I just, that's just not for me. That's not who I want to be. I think the speed of real estate specifically the technological sort of influences combined with the fact that it was a bit of a gatekeeping industry once upon a time in like eons past where you couldn't buy a house without an agent. It was just like really, really hard. And because all that stuff really isn't true anymore, we have so much disruption in the technological field. I, I mean, bold PSA right here. I'm not sure real estate should be practiced alone, like at all. Like, I, I think that the solo practitioner has less and less relevance to the modern landscape these days without what you're talking about, relational connectivity to some sort of, like, group. And that could be, like, group big, group small, boutique, you know, whatever size. But that communal piece of it, oh, I feel like it's the thing that makes you relevant as an agent. And without it, it just feels like, I don't know, man, you're going to lose relevance sometime in the near future quick. Cause you're right. 22 years of experience is amazing until it's just super not relevant anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's extremely difficult to, uh, be a solopreneur. Um, it's just, there's only so many hours, right. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've done a lot of coaching over the years. One of, one of the coaches, uh, always, you know, talks about there's 24 hours in a day, but you know, if, if I've got 10 people, then I've got 240 hours in a day. Right. 
to compete against your 24. Right. So, you know, you, you have to kind of look at how can I leverage people? How can I leverage technology? Um, you know, I think AI is going to continue to transform every industry. Um, you know, so there's going to be elements of things that transition to tech, uh, but you've got to, you've got to have people that you can plug into your processes too. I, every agent should have a transaction coordinator. It's, you know, that's a, that's a no brainer. So even if you're a solopreneur, you should have a transaction coordinator. Yeah. Consider how many superheroes <laughs> have sidekicks. I mean, it's <laughs> obvious. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. I think that similar to the way we think about um, different technological skill sets like Photoshop or whatever, you know, as, oh, that has a benefit to my team in X, Y, and Z ways. You know, the AI influence is going to be sort of AI skilled individuals like Adobe skilled individuals will become team players and will leverage that tool to benefit, you know, um, the company. And, and I think that, you know, we are all subject to looking at the Taylor Swift's and the Beyonce's and all the Instagrammers and the famous, you know, real estate people and saying, oh my gosh, they have the same 24 hours of the day that I do. I need to work harder. It's like, well, hold on. They have a bunch of people behind the scenes that are probably posting their stuff on Instagram. So like, just remember that there's a lot more underneath the water than you're seeing and, um, you know, connect yourself with a good community, uh, a life group. I, I like that. I, I think that the same hole in our heart that we're looking to fill in the sort of the spiritual side of our life and that communal relational side um, that we get in, say, a church format is the same one we need to fill in a business format but they don't need to be the same thing. You're not trying to fill business for, you know, spiritual, but you need the same. Those are all connected. We're all just humans trying to like make it through the world. And so that's a very wise uh, reminder for any listeners here that uh, reach out. Every single one of these guests that I've had on this wonderful podcast uh, would probably love to speak to you if you're listening or would love to text with you or chat with you. And if you have questions, you should take this as your invitation, myself included. And so... Yeah, I, I I want us to push the industry more in this direction. I think team is best. I like that format, and I'm obviously biased. I have a team, um, but I would agree. <laughs> that's I think where we're probably going more. And I think, tell me if you if you agree. I think the consumer is either already caught on or is catching on. And is saying to themselves, oh, I want to work with a team. There's no doubt people out there that still love that individual, relational, solopreneur kind of a thing. But I think there's enough bad consumer loss of trust around like the chuck in a truck for the trades. Oh, I better work with like a good size company to make sure that I'm protected from that. I think that bleeds into real estate too a little bit. And they say, I probably want someone who like, has some people around them in some format. Do you agree with that? I, I do. I will say though, um, it, it kind of gets back to your standard operating procedures. You've got to make sure you're very clear on the experience you're delivering. Um, you know, I, I think unfortunately a lot of times when a consumer works with a team, um, they think they're going to be working with 
the face of the team. Oh yeah. Oops, the <laughs> and, bait and you switch. Know, yeah. And Oops. it feels like a bait and switch. Yeah. Um, so you have to be very clear on what, what the experience is that you're delivering and what are the specific procedures to deliver that experience um, so that they don't feel like you've, you've done a bait and switch on them. You know, obviously there's things you do for your, your closest of friends your best, that you right? can't do for everybody. Cause there's just, there's so much time in the day. Totally. Um, but you know, for the most part, like you don't want me, you know, being the one that has to go out and do X, Y, Z because I don't, I don't do it every day anymore. So the person that I have doing X, Y, Z for me, they do it every day. Yeah. They're better at it than, than Than me now. So that's tough. That, that is a, for a lot of folks that I think that's a, a tough pill to swallow myself included to say like, I'm willing to admit out loud in a public format that I'm not <laughs> as good at X when I built my reputation on being good at X, you know, kind yeah. of a thing. And that like time is a mitigating factor here. And so that's tough. You, you got to check your ego as a leader. Yeah, totally. And you can't be too humble. Oh, I'm just terrible. You know, everybody, yeah, cause everybody like doesn't, doesn't want to work with you then. Well, I'm not saying I can't do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the, the gathering of these resources, whether it's an internal team, whether it's a group of freelancers that you sort of build a sort of a, a crack sort of group together that you can accomplish your goals, or whether it is more tangential in a larger format, whether it's like a boutique or you have a larger brokerage. In some respect, I feel like the future is a super high Rolodex and high value and high customer service experience. And like, obviously I think this because I've built a slew of vertically integrated services that you can just sort of plug into, right? And so, but I see more clients saying yes to their real estate entrepreneurs like yourself who say, oh, I can help you in this and this other thing, or let me help you walk through this whole multifaceted experience and I can help you at every piece. The client's saying yes. So I see more yeses in those real estate sort of vertical integrations like what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I, that's where I think we're going. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I mean, I, I think um, wh- whether we form a business around it or not, you're kind of one of the, the, the first people to have that interaction with, with the customer. And so y- they're going to ask you like, well, who needs to do this and who needs to do this and who needs to do this? Right. So you're making those connections anyway. Right. Um, so, you know, if there's a way to build a team around that and, and, you know, offer a one-stop shop, um, you know, there's a lot of value in that. And there is a very real psychological effect where people love an educator. Mm -hmm. People love a guru. We kind of know those things, but the, the psychological effect is this accidental social debt. Where if someone comes to you and is willing to overcome the awkwardness of asking you a question, can you help me with this? Do you know someone with this? What about this? Do you know, do you know this? And you're able to provide a real answer. You have entered into an accidental little social or they have entered into a social debt where they are now in your debt. And so they feel a very subtextual sort of uh, compulsion to repay that debt in some manner. They might say thank you, or they might try to do business with you, or they might send you a thank you card or whatever. And so that can be not 
in a Machiavellian sort of way, but in a in a genuine sort of way that can be useful in business to be the person that knows the right answers to the questions. And that doesn't mean you have to be Wikipedia. You can still use <laughs> Wikipedia. But giving away our currency in real estate of knowing who the right people are to go to because we fear that if they do a bad job it's going to reflect on us when we give away that currency and don't make those recommendations i think we really sell ourselves short because the clients desperately want it because they just don't know the answers more and more and more and more these days you know to that point i i i've always i, I don't like the idea of Okay, I'm going to give you like three names. Like, what is what is that? Like, I can. You know Google. who else will give you three names? The top three results yeah. of Google, <laughs> right? Like, I can Google that. Like, if I need something done, I'm not going to randomly pick one of three. I've got one that I'm going to use. I'm pretty sure Alexa is already listening, and yeah. she's already going to serve them up to you. Right. So, <laughs> like, why wouldn't I just say, well, you know, if it were me, this is this is who I would use. Um, now that put some onus on you to actually, you know, have a relationship with that person and know that they're going to represent your brand well. Right. Uh, and know the right questions. they're an extension of your brand. To vet them, right? Yeah, of course. That requires responsibility, buy-in. You've got to put the work in. Oh, I've got to understand why title attorneys even exist so I can know the right one to have be my friend you know, kind of a thing. Or what's the difference between an escrow state and a title state? Blah, blah, blah. Like, we got to know those things. And it's such an interesting little balance to walk because real estate bills itself as a, I don't need to know those things profession, but you very much do to survive. So if you want to do any more practicing of real estate beyond day one, you have to know those things. Uh, to get to day one, you don't have to know those things. Well, hey, Steve, this has been really great. And to hear your thoughts on this is only confirmation that we're both going in great directions. And I'm super glad we got a chance uh, to talk and for folks here to get to know you. Uh, please give Steve and Cord Real Estate uh, a look online, follow them and uh, keep an eye on all the things that they're doing. Got some new ideas and projects that you'll certainly want to keep track of. And folks, hit subscribe, stay with us. We are delivering amazing stories each and every week. Uh, for folks all around the Nashville metro, uh, but it's relevant really everywhere. So this is the Business of Homes podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Hey, everyone. Jake again, director for the Business of Homes podcast. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. A huge thank you to Steve Luther for being a part of the podcast. Go follow him on Instagram at SC Luther and at Cord Real Estate, and that's C-H-O-R-D, and let him know how much you enjoyed their story. Don't forget to subscribe on your preferred listening platform and make sure to follow us on Instagram as well at the business of homes pod. Do you have any feedback or want to suggest someone for the show? Email us at the business of homes podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you soon.